Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. This week we'll be studying Foo Fighters, UFOs, or Advanced Weapon. In a world at war, alone at night, a fighter plane sees something unexpected. World War II was coming to an end. Allied forces, Britain, Free French, and American, were preparing to cross the Rhine, determined to finally bring the war to German soil. The Nazi regime was desperate to halt the Allied advance and invasion. At 10 p.m. November 1944, a single heavy Bristol bow fighter of the 415th Night Fighter Squadron, based in Dijon, France, patrolling over the Rhine River just north of Strasbourg, France, occupied by Germany, the skies were clear with the light clouds and quarter moon. The crew of the fighter was Lieutenant Ed Schluter, pilot, Lieutenant Donald Myers, airborne intercept radar operator and observer, the bow fighter was large enough with its two engines to carry the heavy radar equipment used at the time to target enemy fighters. Lieutenant Fred Ringwald, intelligence officer, was flying as an additional observer. This week we have back Dr. Bill. Welcome, Bill. How's it going? Hello. Hey, how are you doing? Living the dream, brother. You know, how's it? Uh, how's the weather out there and where you uh, are? It's- it's cooled off and it's rainy right now. Back so, in, but it's not bad. It's not too bad. It's rainy. We, we yeah, they're out here. They're talking about drought again. Yeah, I thought you had a good winter. Nah, it wasn't. No, oh, okay. wasn't what we right. needed. Is the problem. Okay. You know. So uh, what do we got yeah. here? You you brought this to us, and uh, what's the story with the food fighters, Bill? Well, let's. Uh... You could go back. I mean, we can continue oh, well, on with the story here. Or, well, we, we yeah. can continue with the story. But so, I don't know. Oh, so the bow fighters, the, the 415th Night Fighter Squadron was also known as the Black Widows. And the uh, these planes flew at night because they had radar. And at that time, uh, the German Luftwaffe didn't have um, many planes. So basically what they would do is they'd fly around, they'd do reconnaissance. And then they'd shoot stuff up, like they'd see troops or trucks or trains or, um, you know, uh, anti-aircraft equipment or anything that they could do some damage to. And they'd fly around and just shoot it up. Uh, Hang on just a second. And they, um, one of the things that they, they started seeing, and it happened this one night in November, this plane saw something that they thought was lights over in the hills and they 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 weren't they were something else and what they saw was far off was eight to ten orange balls of fire that were seeing moving at a fast speed uh, they contacted the radar people ground control intercept radar and the ground control radar uh, people said that there was nobody up there but them so the pilot, Myers, uh, turned in to uh, ask his radar guy to give him range. Uh, he got no contact. And then the, the lights disappeared and reappeared again far off a few minutes later. Uh, went into a flat glide and vanished. Wow. So they, um, this stuff was written up in the, um, after the war, I think it was written up in the... Um, I'm blanking on the name of it. Written up in the, uh, not the foreign, I want to say the Foreign Legion magazine. It was the, uh, 
It's the American one, the American Legion magazine. Yeah. So Schluter and, and Ringwald decided to keep they Myers and Ringwald. Schluter, Myers, and Ringwald didn't even talk about what they had saw. No, they because yeah. one of the things is that the <laughs> they were worried that they, yeah. you're going nuts, and they would not let them fly anymore. And that's what these these guys wanted to fly, and they wanted to fight. Yeah, so they Com- just kept their mouth shut. Combat fatigue. It's yeah. combat fatigue. You don't. You, you didn't really see that. Well, but, uh, then the good. Yeah. Yeah. No. Well, they they knew they saw something. They just didn't know what they saw, and they didn't want to say. You know, they wouldn't want to bring it up. It's like, why not? Um, I mean, they, what a great job! You fly around and you you blow stuff up. So, yeah. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. The uh, their worst, the big worries at that time, because this was at the end of World War II, uh, was uh, basically flak. Uh, they weren't dealing with a lot of aircraft because the German Air Force was occupied elsewhere at that time, which was one of the things that makes this even more interesting. And the AP so, reporter, Bob, um, they were interviewed by Associated Press reporter Bob Wilson. He described three types of food fighters as red balls of fire that fly along the wingtip, a vertical roll of three balls, foo fighters which fly at the front of the plane, and a group of about 15 lights which appear off in the distance like a Christmas tree up in the air, which flicker on and off. That's really weird. I mean... These were really weird. And they, uh, I think just about every pilot in the the fighter group saw these things when they were flying over over Strasbourg, um, France. Could this be... I mean, this probably isn't it, but and you know more about this than I do. Static electricity buildup on the wings and things like that? I mean, they will produce... The pilots, were the these guys, when they were interviewed, they would say that um, they were familiar with this stuff, and usually the static static electricity buildup on the wingtips and stuff, it looks like uh, St. Elmo's fire. They yeah. would, they, they're used to seeing that, so they would... They knew it wasn't that, but I got to say one thing. You know, we've talked about uh, Ruppelt. Yep. Um, Edward J. Ruppelt, who was the first uh, captain in charge of Project Blue Book, when he was in, um, he was a B twenty nine bombardier bombing Japan. He saw Foo Fighters coming back from a bombing mission, and he just thought it was static electricity. Yeah. But one so. Um, anyway, they continue to see these, uh, a few nights later, Lieutenant Henry Giblin and Lieutenant, the pilot, and then Walter Cleary, the radar observer at a thousand feet saw a red light, you know, a thousand feet above them moving at about 200 miles an hour. Uh, and they decided to keep quiet about the sighting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then after that. On the December 22nd, another pilot, David McFalls and Lieutenant Ned Baker, who was the radar observer, flying near Hagenau, Germany, 20 miles north of Strasbourg at 10,000 feet, saw two lights climbing towards them from the ground. Um, When reaching their altitude, the two lights leveled off and stayed on their tail. The lights appeared to be large orange glows flying under perfect control and then went out. Hmm. Uh, although one pilot did see 
of red glowing object shooting straight up, which suddenly changed to a view of an aircraft doing a wing over. And that was probably one of the early, um, what they thought that was, was an early uh, German jet fighter. Oh, the, oh, the, yeah, I know. ME-262. Yeah, yeah, they had a, they had a handful of them that, and they were, um, apparently they were solid, they used solid fuel rockets, (laughs) I think. And they did have some air breathing ones, so they didn't have a very. Uh, the Germans very, love that stuff. It's yeah, like they didn't have. They, they weren't very. They didn't <laughs> couldn't fly for very for, for very far, but they were very fast. Could they have won the war if they mass produced those things? You think? Uh, they did develop air breathing ones, and those ones would have probably uh, been pretty tough to beat. But those yeah. were a very late development, and. Uh, yeah, missed yeah. it by this much. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Another 10 years. Another 10 yeah. years. I mean, Germany, I mean, we'll talk about this a little later. Germany was the uh, a scientific oh, yeah. core center yeah. of the world up through World War II. Um, even when I had to go to grad school, um, I was told when I said, well, I want to go to grad school. I was told as, as uh, you know, doing the science stuff, I said, well, you should, you, you need to take German. So I took German. And when I got to grad school, it didn't matter. No one cared. But I did know a, um, a student that was, had been there in chemistry a few years before me, two or three years. And she actually had to pass a uh, scientific German reading test. Oh, uh, no. As part of her education. Yeah. So up wow. until a few years before I went to grad school, uh, people were still required to be able to read, especially in chemistry, to be able to read uh, German so you could read the German literature in the, in the fields. Wow. So, but anyway, that's, uh, they, were the, they were the center of the scientific universe up until World War II. And, well, um, well, if you look at it, yeah, Mercedes versus a Ford. You know, it's, it's a well, simplified version of what could have been, you know, as, as far as technological oh. advancement. Well, one of the thing, yeah. Well, one of the things you got to keep in mind, Mercedes was building, uh, I guess, built decent cars, but Ford, Ford trucks were used in North African, and we were, the U.S. gave a ton of Ford truck, Ford's Ford trucks, to the British when they were fighting Rommel in Northern Africa. Really? They loved them. Oh really? I didn't no, know they that. ran forever. I mean, the Ford <laughs> trucks were just really durable. So it's just you could, they would break. You could fix them, and you just drove them, and they loved them. So yeah. I think the the U.S. was really good. And same thing with the Sherman tanks. The U.S. was really good at building um, very rugged and durable vehicles. Uh, the Germans are just really good at building, you know, at the time very high tech, yeah, uh, sophisticated stuff. But you know. You don't need a electric steam powered hammer when you just need a hammer. So it go off the subject real quick. The drone we talked about the drones attacking the the uh, oh, yeah. ships. Now that was more. Or, you you or, sent me more video of the with, video has been released. Have you you've seen it? Because you sent it to me, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, they're like trying. Uh, they're like um, purpose flying pyramids or something. Yeah, like, they're trying. Yeah, they start trying. I don't know about the triangle. It depends on the the lens and the the 
it's really foggy and stuff. So the lens and the optics and the, cause it was night vision stuff might be falsely making it into a triangle, although it looked pretty solid. Yeah. But yeah, that was the, uh, the Navy, it got leaked cause I guess they can't, um, you know, we, they can't just put it out and say, well, we need help. We don't know what this is. Can anybody identify it for us? Because they're the Navy and they're supposed to know these things and be able to figure it out. So they got to leak yeah. it. We're going to leak it. <laughs> so I don't think it was, helps they don't know what it is still that was yeah. an interesting video I wish they would release uh, all the video if they took a bunch of video just release it all let us see from the Snoopy cameras all the Snoopy yeah, camera footage yeah, the Snoopy teams Snoopy teams so anyway I should talk about I was looking at uh, the history of the Foo Fighters and I think that the Foo Fighters are, are, they do have some old like UFO scientific uh, observations. There's a really great old one that I read about, and I don't know when it was, 18-something, 1888. I'd have to look it up. Wow. And and this this what happened, this UFO, this farmer comes out, and because his cows are going nuts, and he comes out, and there's this thing. And the way he described it, and I think it was before dirigibles, it sounded like it was like a dirigible, and it had like a... a a glass enclosed thing on the bottom and it was uh, cigar shaped and it was floating above his cows and his cows were freaking out and it, and he could see people. It was like a glass uh, cupola. I think of what they call it. And he had, could see people on the inside and it, there was like this rope or something that was hanging down and it had snagged one of his cows oh, wow. who was got, panicked because it would grab by this rope this it was like a sticky rope or it had a noose on the cow or something and the cow had tangled itself in the barbed wire fence his barbed wire fence trying to get away from this so the farmer is just like he's got this flying saucer sausage dirigible <laughs> he's got a cow and this that's freaking out and there's a rope that's tugging on his cow from this thing and so he just <laughs> cut the wire on the fence to get the cow and it pulled the cow up with it Oh, whoa. Yeah. Wow. And then um, the next day, when his, he went into town to, to, uh, to talk about this and say, you know, this, I, I don't know, one of my cows was stolen. <laughs> and one of his neighbors, uh, he ran into one of his neighbors and he says, I have, I have a cow, cow skin. I found a cow skin. <laughs> sitting in the middle of my field and he goes there's no footprints or anything around it and the, and the and i was wondering if it was yours because it had your brand on, on it so, quit yeah, leaving that, your garbage in my area yeah i quit flinging your cow carcasses <laughs> into the middle of my fields so that's like an early uh an early one of the early ufo contacts or or reports and there's another one which i think is my favorite one is there a was a uh ship i don't remember where it was i'd have to look up this this story it was in one of james uh i said james frank what's his edward edward frank's edward frank hang on and look we gotta look at a book uh frank edwards one of his books and it was uh, a ship was somewhere and they it's the description that they gave, it sounded like uh, like the Nautilus from Jules Verne. 
They oh, really? saw this glow. Well, yeah, it sound, they saw this glowing in the water. You know, it might have been made up. They saw this glowing in the water, and they were looking down, and it was like a, um, uh, I don't know, I guess a submarine, but it was glowing underneath the water, and they watched it as it uh, disappeared or something. I don't remember all the details, but that was like my favorite one. And one of the things that I thought when I saw that, it's like if you wanted, if you were space aliens and you actually wanted to hide on Earth, where's the best place to hide? And that would be under the water. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, we're we're going to other planets and we haven't even figured out how to get to the bottom of our own ocean yet. No, no, you have, uh, it's very underexplored. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I thought you would think we would, you know, but I understand space travel and I love space travel, but, you know. We just seem like it's fumbly the way we do things. Like we talked about, you know, why haven't we? We're looking to colonize Mars, but you know, we haven't. We should like baby step to the moon to get things going to make sure things work well, and you know, yeah. And, yeah. And, then, and then use that as a launching point, which would be better because there's less um, gravity on uh, gravitational pull. On Mars and there is Earth. It'd be easier to lo- assemble and launch from there. Yeah, we sh- we should have we should have had uh, um, we should have had a moon. We should have had a moon base for the last thirty years. I mean, it's it's and why yeah. we don't have one doesn't make any sense. The latest? Did you watch? Are you watching for all mankind? Is there new episodes on? We watched. Um... Did you see the one with the nuclear powered space shuttle? No, it's is there a new episode? We've been watching it. We watched. Do they come out once a week or is it? Just yeah, it's whole? out once a week. The latest episode, they finally launched the nuclear powered space shuttle. I actually had to look that up because I wasn't aware that this was a viable technology. Basically, what it is is you take a nuclear reactor, which is hot. So you take hot and then you flow um, hydrogen over it which makes the hydrogen super hot, and then you use that as your rocket exhaust. It's a little more complicated than than that because I don't know the details, and I didn't read much on it. But But your doctor, uh, your your PhD, sir, why do you not know this? It's not your... It's a lot of read. Too many words. (laughs) These books... I want to know exactly how this thing works. (laughs) All these these books have too many words. There's way too many words in these books. I think we get the idea. I think we get the idea. It's pretty... And it sounds... Who comes up with this shit? It's like... Hey, you know what'll work? (laughs) So, apparently, uh, you can only run these things for like... Oh, what do they say? Like eight hundred seconds or a thousand seconds? Oh, the burn, eight hundred thousand second burn. Eight thousand second or a thousand second yeah. burn, and then it, I guess it has to recycle. But it it um, increases the efficiency, the exhaust efficiency, way up there. And there's a book that I was. Yeah, this I, is an I, actual. I'm viable... spending way too much money on books. And there's this another is a book. That te- I could this is real. Is this a real technology? This yeah, nuclear yeah, space. There's a book some guy wrote that uh, it's uh, basically it's nuclear nuclear rocket engines for idiots, and I just don't want to spend the money on it. It's not a lot, but I've been spending way too much on books. Yeah, why, it is. why not? You've been you know unlimited amount of money on UFO books. Just yeah, branch yeah, that's out, right. branch out. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's on the list. It's like on the list. But... You won't buy a new computer. You're like rebuilding your computer, you know. <laughs> hey, this thing I don't have great. any money for a computer. I buy too many books. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I had to put the money into the computer. No, it's it's great. The uh, the updating of the computer is fantastic, but it's uh, it's cheaper than a, you know. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, and then I saw online for what I paid for the updating the computer, I could have uh, bought a newer model for the same price. So that's that's there's frugality. Yeah, what fun would that be? <laughs> Oh man, yeah. it was a bear to upgrade this thing too, because it's a iMac. That's right. Uh, but it's but it's great. It boots in twenty seconds now. Before, like you'd boot it and you'd like go away and make coffee and come back. Oh wow! Now it boot. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's it's the solid state drives. Um, it's just it boots in twenty seconds. It's like okay, so this was fun. So uh, the, go ahead, but go ahead. oh, so other than the frustration of actually doing the work. <laughs> So, Foo Fighters, more Foo yeah, Fighters. More Foo Fighters. The next. Well, where so, are we well, at? Well, we're we're gonna. I want to get. We'll get into uh, from my notes that I've gathered. We'll get into the um, the uh, dispatches from the four fifteenth War Diary. Yeah. Well, one of the things that um, I just ran across when I was doing a little more work on this is this was for pretty much forgotten about. It was written, and people, even Project Blue Book, doesn't even look at Foo Fighters because they didn't. They didn't. Well, it's funny because Rupelt had actually seen one, but they didn't, and thought it was static electricity on the on the plane. He's Rupelt has yeah. seen that the guy, first guy for Project Blue Book has seen has says he has seen a UFO other than a Foo Fighter, and he'd actually seen a Foo Fighter, but this wasn't included in um, Project Blue Book. And what's really cool about the Foo Fighters is it's extremely well documented. And one of the things that I I've have and I've looked at is you got dispatches, you got official dispatches from the four uh, fifteenth war diary. They're copied from the official war records in the National Archives in Suitland, Maryland. And the night squad, the the night fighter squadron. Uh, look, stepping back a little bit, the Foo Fighters were only seen from. They have their list of their sightings was seen from 14 December 1944 to 29 January 1945. And that's actually one of the things when I'm looking at this, what made that really interesting was the coincidence. What's going there was on? Something, the there, was of the something, bulge. there was something else, yeah. The Battle of the Bulge. D during the exact dates when uh, the Foo Fighters were sighted over Strasbourg, Germany, was when the Battle of Bulge was going on. Which was, a, that's a real interesting coincidence. Coincidence? Yeah, observe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always, I always felt like, you know, they're observing us, or are they. How big are I don't these think things? This was, How big? Send me um, some of that. They're very, they're very I know. No, they can't be big. manned. So we're thinking they can't be manned unless what something in there is really tiny. The, yeah, they don't. A couple feet, maybe. They're not. They're not. The sizes aren't aren't really given, but they're not very big. But they are. They glow and they follow airplanes. We're assuming they're drones, but I mean, aliens could be really tiny. It could be. I don't think this is well. <laughs> if you look at my notes, you know how this ends. I don't think this was. Um, I don't think this was drones. I think this was a German weapon. Oh. And there was one. Um, 
there was one guy that I found a reference to that thought the same thing, but I couldn't find anything written by him. But it, the, what's real interesting about the um, Foo Fighters is it's extremely well-documented. You have a bunch of pilots that have seen them in this one squadron. I went through, they have, there's a whole sighting list. So, Yeah, let's kind of go through some of those sightings. Yeah, the, the whole from the, uh, from the official war diary. Yeah. So the, so the uh, official war diary, there was a dispatch sent to Commanding General First Tactical Air Force from the 459th. Spider Squadron on December 1944, and I've done some excerpts from these these uh, these dispatches. Yeah. And the dispatch says we have encountered a phenomena which we cannot explain. Crews have been followed by lights that blink on and off, changing colors, etc. The lights come very close and fly formation with our planes. It is requested further information be furnished on this subject, such as a similar experience of other night units. The um, headquarters responded 20th January, so four days later. They said there have been no instances reported as above. Before an investigation can be made, it will be necessary to have more complete information. And then on January 30th, 1945, the Night Fighter Squadron replied with a specific list of all the sightings by their pilots. So uh, these were extracts from sortie reports of various pilots who have encountered the night phenomenon are submitted to the air command. So you want to, you want to go over some of these? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, go on. Well, yeah, some can... of the, uh, you know, some of the actual, um, some of the actual, uh, of what they saw, they may not necessarily have reported this officially. Um, well, well, this was the night. This was the pilots' sortie reports when they come back from shooting up trucks and whatever. Yeah. And they'd see these things. This is what they wrote into their reports, their debriefs after their mission flights. So this is these. This was documented. This is official Air Force documentation. So you know, December twenty second at six, um, another night fighter. Um, we don't need to. To their names or anything, but yeah. they were flying near Hagenau, Germany. Um, they saw two lights climbing toward them from the ground. When reaching their altitude, the lights leveled off. And stayed, I think um, they appeared to be large orange glows flying under perfect control. Then went out. And you think it's a German weapon? I mean, they, uh, yeah, I do. But it, did, I'll, I'll, it didn't. It didn't like. Attack them, though. I mean, yeah, that, that's what's interesting too. Is that they don't do anything. It's like and what it happened just, was, with, the, with the fleet down in San Diego or um, down in LA. A, yeah, yeah. I think it's a, a different phenomenon, though. So, but I was thinking, you know, if here you have, uh, I'll talk about some of my reasoning at, a little in a little, a little later. later. So, here you have, so you got some German. Here you got the center of the universe for for science. And so you have some German guy that comes up with a way of producing basically ball lightning. And he builds an apparatus that can shoot out ball lightning. Okay. And then you test it because I, I saw a report of once of ball lightning actually hitting a barn or a shed. Somebody saw ball lightning and it was moving around their property. And then it hit their, um, hit their shed and it exploded the shed. It blew it up. Wow. That's serious. Yeah. 
So if you so you could demonstrate if you could produce ball lightning and nobody can do it currently. Well, actually, one person used to produce ball lightning, and that was in 1899. And Nikolai Tesla used to produce ball lightning. My, but if you could produce hero. it, he's my hero. He's everybody's hero. <laughs> if, you could, if you could produce it, and you could get it to hit something, it's going to do some damage. So I'm just, I was just speculating that here's some German scientists figured out a way to do it. You make this, this nice ball lightning, you let it go. And then he discovers that, well, you know, if we park a plane over there, just on like on the ground and you could get your ball lightning to run into it, it's going to damage the plane. Right. But this is during um, the battle of the bulge. Germany is finally facing uh, the end of the war and the war ended uh, Germany surrendered May 8th, 1945, and this is happening in, in December. So the war is going to be over in five months. Germany was very desperate and was deploying all its resources to, to at the Battle of the Bulge and pulling every, all the stops out to stop the invasion of Germany. So why not? Okay, we're going we're gonna to deploy um, everything we got. So this guy has got this thing that makes these great balls, you know, lightning, and they can, we can get them to go up in the sky towards airplanes. We haven't really tested it, but let's just deploy the thing and let it go. Right. So that's what I was, was thinking was happening. And they have the the um, sortie reports. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. I got fourteen sortie reports in this dispatch that was sent to uh, headquarters, the tactical headquarters, by Ringwald, who was the um, intelligence officer on the pl- flight that first spotted Foo Fighters. Right, the one we opened and, with, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he gives, you know, they give uh, locations, they give map coordinates, and I'm not going to go back and find yeah, the we don't, yeah, we World don't. War II map coordinates, but they do give a lot of locations. And I sat down and I marked out all the locations where these that I could mark out on a map around Strasbourg, France, and I should say just... Uh, east of Strasbourg is Stuttgart, Germany. And all these Foo Fighters, except for a couple of outliers, Foo Fighter sightings were within a 20-mile radius of Strasbourg. So wow. I'm thinking if it was a deployed weapon, so you have the range of the weapon, and you have the weapon, and you have a, a city, and basically if you have this thing, if you're like Tesla, you just need electricity to make these things, why not put it out there and just start when a plane comes over, just like popping off fireballs at it and they follow the plane and you, and you don't know what they do. You don't know if they do anything, but if you're desperate, like the Germans were at this time, you know, anything goes. So they have, you know, a lot of these reports are, um, North of Bryce, France, December 16th, uh, 800, at 800 feet, a lot of these, these planes flew very low altitudes too. They're flying at a thousand feet, 800 feet, because they're they're low yes. level night fighters, and their their job is just to fly around and shoot, just to, to shoot stuff up, break <laughs> as much crap as how, they could. How fun would that be? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, you know, that'd oh. be badass. You just fly around. You're 20 years old. You got, you know, a plane that's probably pushing a thousand horsepower you got uh i don't know how many 50 cals they had at least four 50 cals i think they were mounted in the nose you had a radar yeah. operator you're flying at night you got air air 
uh, air traffic control to uh, help you out. So even if it's, you know, you can't see a lot, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, these guys were living the life. So um, on one side, so this... the war. T- Good. Hmm? Good. Yeah. Oh, it's just into the war. So the Luftwaffe was pretty, uh, pretty much on its way out. So it's like you just ruled the sky. Yeah. On one occasion, they said three lights appeared following a plane. Um, even three lights followed a plane, even when the plane changed direction by pulling up ground radar. Saw radar, radar saw nothing. The last time the Foo Fighters were seen, the pilot turned into them. The lights disappeared. He was sure he felt prop wash. Ground, ground radar again could detect nothing. The lights again appeared, this time behind the plane. The pilot dropped down 2,000 feet and made a 30-degree left turn. The Foo Fighter followed, then disappeared. Um, it's I don't know about the prop wash. I mean, at the well, least... Well, yeah. well, some of these might have been the um, those those jet fighters that they the were testing. 262s, yeah. And they wouldn't they wouldn't fly um, they couldn't fly very long I don't know what the duration was and then the radar sweeps at um, I can't remember I just the ten seconds yeah I can't remember what the total sweep of the the radar sweep that's got it they have a timed they have a timed circulation so if you have a night fighter that shoots up there it can only run for it's got three rocket motors and they fire one and they get off and then they you know they fly until they fly and then that motor dies and they fire the next one and then they fly until that solid fuel rocket drops and then they then they fire the next one so some of this some of this like the prop wash one when i read that i'm like that could have been that could have been a, a experimental jet fighter yeah and they were they were not very effective. They were very fast, but they weren't very effective. Um, they also let's see. So a lot of these low altitude. Oh, I ma- mapped them out. They're twenty miles. They were in a limited area. Um, so you're thinking Strasbourg in that area that they yeah could I think have been it was the a launching. Weapon. I think it was a weapon that was specifically located in the Strasbourg area deployed by the Germans to test it on, uh, to use it against uh, the night fighters, which are low-flying airplanes. And um, so they saw it. I'm seeing, they're seeing, uh, yeah, and they're, these are solid reports. Like I said, there's like 18, 18 uh, reports or something here. There's uh, Erstein. So did you map this out? There's another one on yeah. Erstein, yeah. France. Yeah. So I, it- I, have it in, I have it in front of me, but you can't see it. I can't see it. Um, actually, maybe I can text it to you. So, but anyway, it's uh, so Strasbourg, and then they're south at Breish, which I'm yeah, I'm looking at that Erstein. one too. Erstein, which is south, and then there's one far, far to the west, which is I want to say Lunaville, which isn't uh, necessarily the right pronunciation. I'm going to text this to you. Yeah, it's a petroleum from um, Saraborg to Strasbourg was another one. Yeah. And they did see one far north at Worms, which is just north of um, Mannheim or Heidelberg. Landau, uh, Wessenborg, Ingwelter, Hagenau. Um, so there were, here we go, I gotcha. They were um, just clustered in this area. Uh, so they sent, well, let's go through, I want to go through the, let me send you this yeah. picture. If it works, this should go. 
Which you should be able to see this. Okay, it's on its way. So the uh, headquarters responded to these, all these observations. And just to hit these really quick again. Um, oh, yeah, this one is two yellow streaks, flames flying at the same level, approximately 3,000 feet. Those were, um, those were probably experimental fighters. So they were deploying everything that they could to try and distract or prevent something from happening at Strasbourg. All this time, you got to remember, uh, the Battle of Bulge was raging to the north of this or northeast of this location. Uh, flames, light pulled up rapidly out of sight. You've got really, lights. You, you've got really nice penmanship. I, uh, mine oh, do I? Like, yeah, that's very nice. Oh, that's, I'm actually sorry. Mine looks I was terrible. At a, I was at a thing once. This was a few years ago, where you sign your name and like address or something, right? Yeah. And so I, I, yeah, I got the list. I was like the end of the the table, you know, where people are sitting around and you're supposed to write your name and, and whatever on it. And so I, I can't remember. I, I was at the end of the list and I got this thing. I had the worst handwriting of this group <laughs> and I'm like, just looking at this, I'm going this, I felt so terrible because it was just like, this is, this is, I, I looked like I, I just, I couldn't believe how good the handwriting everybody else was in the, uh, um, in the group. Well, it's but just anyway, that, so you know, shows you the, we don't write anymore. Everything's typing. So by the time you have to, you know, or even sign your name to anything. Now everything's electronic. You even had to sign things electronically. Oh yeah, um, I was. Uh, I had. I was required to sign a uh, something when I was over in Europe last time, and I was at the grocery store actually, and they're like, um, "You have to, you have to sign your name." So I just put an X on the, you know, the electronic thing. Yeah. And then they wanted they wanted to see my my credit card to match the signature, right? Yeah. I hadn't signed my credit card. So I took, they handed me a pen. I put an X on my credit card. And, and the it lady was, the lady just laughed. She just thought, it yeah. was, she just laughed and said, okay. So yeah, you don't need to sign for anything anymore. It's crazy. Uh, let's, so anyway, the headquarters, Air tactical got back to them and said, no further information or explanation in connection with these phenomena. It is believed that further investigation is warranted. Appropriate technical personnel are not available. Matter is forwarded. Um, and then they just kept moving up the uh, chain of command. Went to Air Staff Supreme Headquarters, Allied Expeditionary Force. Um, said that bomber crews have for some time been reporting similar phenomenon. A few of the alleged aircraft may have been ME-262s. For the rest... Flak rockets are suggested as most likely explanation. The whole affair is still something of a mystery, and the evidence is very sketchy and varied, so that no definite and satisfactory explanation can yet be given. And that was from the air staff at Supreme Headquarters Allied Expeditionary Force. Um, and that was it. So the sightings of the Foo Fighters coincided with the Battle of the Bulge, yeah. Uh, once the troops moved east of the Rhine, um, they stopped. Nope, they didn't see Foo Fighters anymore. Except in the Pacific and over Japan. And that actually I felt was even was interesting in itself. So first they were seen as a desperate last ditch effort over Strasbourg, France. 
And then Foo Fighters are again seen in Japan, which again, I think it was a weapon that was being deployed as a last ditch effort. And the so, but, and I have a list. But of, Jap- of, I mean, is it shared technology or something you're saying? Between yeah, Japan? yeah. So, so in January 2nd, 1945, Japanese radio out of Tokyo claimed the Imperial forces would deploy a robot bomb, giving Japan domination over the Pacific skies. Um, so, U.S. histories. See, yeah, U.S. histories, um, unit histories refer to as many as 40 sightings on just one mission over Japan. And they oh, have wow. uh, January 9th, 1945, Kunming, China, followed uh, flying bombs seen by American planes, followed or parallel the planes, were easily avoided. Turk Atoll, uh, Japanese base. This was the main Japanese base in the Pacific, which would have been equivalent to... Um, um, Pearl Harbor for the U.S. It was their big military base. Right. The B-24s, when they were bombing, they saw uh, red and orange and white objects that followed the bomber for an hour. Appeared silver in color in daylight. That's really interesting. No, that's, that is that, cool. So I don't know Weird. what that is. Followed through all types of evasion, evasive Maneuvers, Guam radar reported no bogeys. And one of the things that makes me think this might be sort of an artificial ball lightning is there was a report of a plane flying through a cloud and the, the ball um, went around the cloud and then it uh, met the cloud, met the plane on the other side. Well, clouds have a very, uh, or air clouds, you know, have l- lightning and thunder and all that stuff. The clouds have a high charge. So if it was an electric, electrically charged ball of something that was following the plane um, and it was attracted to the particular charges that planes give off, when it hit the cloud, it was massed and it just floated around until it saw the charge again. I mean, it's speculation and it's probably wrong, but it's something. Um, well, all this is going on, but it doesn't, it, is it even hitting, a, is it doing any damage to anything or is it just, no. they see it? No. It's, it's a lot of effort for you know, these, it's a, for to get <laughs> for the nothing weapon. You know, well, just just, a, just think how cool it is, though. It's it's cool, but so if you're on the ground, fine. you got this. You got this machine that shoots fireballs, and you don't know. You, you, you they don't have. It's like the Germans and the Japanese had no intelligence on on downed planes or anything like that. But you have this device that shoots these fireballs out. And they go up and they follow the planes. It looks like it's working. Yeah, but it doesn't um, do shit. So it's kind of no. like it's. I'd be if I was commanding this thing, I'd be like, okay, this isn't doing anything. Either develop something that's going to do something. But, but you I don't need know a light it, show. You don't know. You don't know <laughs> if it's doing anything or not. So if you take it and you point it at a plane on the ground, plane, the fireball hits the plane. Yeah, the plane. It works. Yeah, it works. Horrible things happen to the plane. So, oh, yeah, yeah, this looks great. So they're shooting it up at the sky at planes, and it's just following the planes. It never can get close to them, probably for whatever reason. They avoid them. They said they're talking about they just kind of fly around. You know, they just fly around them. It's bizarre. But then it follows yeah. them, and then it, you know, blinks out and then comes back on. I don't, it's just it's just bizarre. I don't know. I, I 
But I wouldn't yeah. say that these were, um, unless they, some people speculated that these were like weird atmospheric effects because of yeah. the, all the planes and all the bombings and stuff. But that doesn't make any sense because the, the night fighters were not um, uh, bombing. They're just flying around shooting stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, there's a ton of there's reports from fireballs. They said the Foo Fighters were common. They were discussed in the various unit publications around the island of Tinian. Uh, unit histories refer to as many as 40 sightings on just one mission over Japan. Wow. Uh, interviews. Oh, in Octo October 9th, 1945. This is the war was over. The war ended in Japan 1945. Um, and uh, they said interviews with German scientists provided no information on the origins of balls of fires. This is from an, a dispatch that I found. None were aware of any German weapon systems capable of producing such an effect except rocket-type exhaust. Uh, they had, um, but there's a couple things that I sort of speculated about with this. Um, and that was, oh, the, the ball of the, this was an interview of German scientists that had been captured after the war, and they based this information, this was air staff intelligence, they had a whole laundry list of scientists and, and high up, you know, research generals and whatnot. Right. And air staff intelligence A2 recommended active search for the origins of balls of fire be dropped. They may not have had the, been picked up, had the scientists available uh, that worked on a project like this because the Russians also were running around snatching German scientists because, you know, German scientists, which were the top at the time, were like the top scientists in the world. So, which is why so many of them came to the U.S. and were forgiven their war crimes, uh, because their right. value like, as scientists was deemed higher than their crimes committed. Like yeah, those project pa bon project paperclip yeah, was the yeah, one that brought yeah. and von Braun. Obviously, he must not. So let's ask von Braun. Well, he's dead now, but the, yeah. you know, I'm well, sure well, did somebody. Good. Von Braun supposedly worked on. They said he worked on saucer project. So. Well, I yeah. we, we texted about that. I said if we if Braun Braun had worked on the saucer projects, we would have saucers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he would have been able to convince the U.S. the government U.S. government to work on that if he did had made any headway with that. Oh but, yeah. So you know. Well, and I got a, a couple other points. So there was an article published in 1897. Uh, so we cannot fireballs currently cannot be made with known technologies, but Nikolai Tesla in his lab in, um, oh, where was it, Colorado Springs, did a demonstration for a reporter from Pearson's Magazine, which was uh, published in the U.S. from 1899 to eight, 1939. This, was, um, this is the same magazine that serialized in, the, in England, the H.G. Wars, War of the Worlds in 1897. And what Tesla did is he was demonstrating all sort of the cool stuff he could do, the you know light shows and all these other things. You can find the article online. But one of the things he did is he produced uh, little balls of red flame that he held in his hands and like pass around uh, over his clothes and on his hair, and he put it in the passed it over the reporter's lap, and then he put it in a box. So Nikolai Tesla could make red fireballs like they were seeing in uh, Japan and, and Germany in the war. Oh, it's interesting. 
And one of the other things, so in December, 16th, December, nope. So how did the uh, Japanese also have Foo Fighters, if it was a technological weapon, that the Jer Germans had developed? So in 23rd August, 1944, the U-219 sailed from the U-219, U-195, and another sub which actually sunk before it left. They got hit a hit a um, hit a mine. Oh. And these these uh, the U-219. There's a book the guy wrote on the um, uh, Japanese atomic bomb program. And the guy that wrote that book speculated that the U-219 carried um, uranium oxide. It was also speculated that this this the U two nineteen I have a says here that it was capable of carrying one hundred and fifty five tons of cargo, and because they took it's a cargo sub they take this the you take the um, torpedo tubes out you got the whole you they, you got a lot of room for stuff, yeah and apparently it was thought to be carrying components for the V two rockets and uranium oxide. Interesting. This, yeah, and the um, this sailed on the 23rd of August and then it arrived in uh, December 1944 in Jakarta and remember the uh, Japanese radio said in January that they had just gotten flying bombs that they were going to deploy so this um, submarine I think was equivalent to the U-234 which sailed in, in crystals from Kristallsand Norway to Japan and it sailed on the 15th, April, 1944. And the war ended May 8th. So they were at sea for a couple weeks, and then they ended up surrendering in the North Atlantic. And the cargo of the U-234, which I think was probably comparable to the cargo on the U-219 and the U-195, uh, U and maybe even the U-180, which was the third sub in this group, which disappeared. It hit, they think it struck a mine shortly after it left the left the um, Bordeaux, France. The U-234 had 300 tons of cargo, uh, had three complete Messerschmitt aircrafts, a Henkel AS-293 glide bomber, extra junker jet engines, 10 canisters of uranium oxide, uh, 1,200 pounds of uranium oxide, had one ton of diplomatic mail, uh, 6,615 pounds of technical material, including drawings of the ME-163 and ME-262 aircraft, plans for building aircraft factories, V-1 and V-2 weapons, naval ships uh, designs, submarine designs, German fire control computers, Lorentz 7H2 bomb sites, Lufthansa 7D bomb site computers, FUG 2000 Hohenweil airborne radars and bomb fuses, along with um, you know, military equipment. This is the sub that surrendered. This was also on its way to Japan because they they figured Japan, except for the nuclear bomb, Japan would have been at war. We would have been at war for another year or two with Japan. Yeah. It also had a Luftwaffe general. Um, it had a this, you know, a. Uh, Oh, where is it? It had a bunch of other general flak defense strategists, but it had a scientist on board, Dr. Heinz Schickel, Schlicke, a radar infrared and countermeasure specialist who was director of the naval test fields in Kiel. 
His task was to aid the Japanese developing and manufacturing electronic devices and instruments. They also had a couple guys from Messerschmitt. But this guy, this guy Schlicky, Dr. Schlicky, he was a paperclip scientist. He was one of the scientists that was involved in the development of stealth aircraft for the U.S. So wow. Which shows you the level of the scientists that the, the Germans had produced. Anyway, so my speculation is that those earlier subs may have brought the equipment for with the ability to shoot fireballs, as we saw over um, Strasbourg, France. Where was that, the sub going when they surrendered? I mean, where were they? They just went well, port to a next. The, the U-234, the ones that sailed earlier before the war ended, left in August, and that was before the Battle of the Bulge. That that sailed and got safely to Fran safely to uh, Jakarta, and then the um, uh, Japanese Imperial Navy took these submarines and made them Japanese submarines after the, when the when the Germans surrendered, and they became the I five hundred five and the I five hundred six in the Japanese inventory. The U two thirty four went later, and I'm saying the U two two thirty four is an example of what may have been on the U two nineteen. I mean, there's a ton of stuff on this, this valuable, you know, war and scientific stuff with experts on the U-234, which didn't make it to Japan because the war ended. Uh, so anyway, my two cents on why I think the uh, Foo Fighters were a German weapon. That's interesting. Um, there's another story of, uh, they claim the airmen were suffering from combat fatigue, a polite way of saying that the war with stress was driving them insane, but scant there was scant evidence to suggest collective psychosis. The yeah. 415 had an excellent record, and when a reporter for this is what your uh, American Legion magazine went to report yeah. on the squadron, he described them as very normal airmen whose primary interest was combat, and after that came pinup girls, poker donuts, and the derivatives of the grape, I guess that's wine, and yeah. uh, uh, they're in France. And then there was Luke, Lieutenant Krasny, his son, which was uh, had experienced this phenomenon. Uh, Keith Krasny says his late father didn't fit the stereotypical profile of a UFO theorizer. In fact, he never even suggested that the glowing wingless cigar-like, glowing wingless cigar-like object that flew next to his plane was extraterrestrial in origin. He was very level-headed, very analytical, says Krasny of his father, adding that he kept a notebook where he wrote about and drew his Foo Fighter sighting. But although he never seemed prone to conspiracy theories, Krasny says his father was open to one. He entertained the idea that it could be a late-breaking German technology, as you suggested. Yeah. He, he, did, he did express the view that there were a lot of things during the war that were kept quiet. Um. Or was it the work of Nazi astrophysicists, like you talked about with the Project Paperclip so, guys? Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, if, if even if the U.S. had captured the technology for this thing, what are you going to do with it? It's useless. Yeah. You make a fireball, but uh, which is really, it's almost like just like a fireworks display. Tesla was using it as a you know, fun display for reporters in his lab to show off his you know, electrical skills. So anyway, um, that's it for Foo Fighters. I I got a couple things to to sort of bring up, and and I think I told I don't know if I texted you this or told you this, but did you know that there that do you know 
there's an organization called the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. No. And in 1969, they had a symposium on UFOs that was, uh, I think, uh, the moderator was Carl Sagan. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. You did yeah. send me that. Which and, uh, just, there was a part of it, it was audio. Yeah, we got two, uh, we got two, um, two lectures from that, which we should do. You should do a show on it. Yeah, definitely. Some ideas definitely. about that. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you, Dr. Bill, for joining us on the Foo Fighter episode. Thanks for yep. listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook at eighty alien. Visit us on Facebook at Alien Probe Podcast. Alienprobe.net is our website. Twitter at Alien Probe Pod. Thanks to our senior producer Robert Anthony. See you next time.